Brokenness has a song. Chapter 3. No Return. Finding Faith. From that time on, none of us returned to that God-forsaken place. Now, at 16 years old, I have never wanted to go back. For one, because the pain of the loss of Samuel. And second, Carl. He never came around again, or opened the house to any more or to anyone else. It was only later that I was in Florida visiting my aunt, Savannah, after years of not seeing that side of the family, and lo and behold, it's Carl, sitting there on the steps talking to Marvin, my uncle. He looked old and totally fearful and could not look at me in the eye. And on approaching the door um, of the house, I greeted my uncle and my aunt and said nothing to Carl, even though his hand was extended. I passed him up. I visited for a while and caught the next train back to California the following day. It served him right, even though now I understand that God was trying to teach me that forgiveness is greater than vengeance and love more powerful than anger. And even now I understand that in the silence of the heart, God wanted to ring his truth, but the hurt and pain was still real. And because of this, my view in on sexuality was misplaced by my views and opinions of what I experienced. And in this and in that, I was void of my manhood. I didn't know what I was or who I was. I was suffering from an identity crisis mentally and I was burying every bridge and burning every bridge known to man between counseling both religious and non-religious people. And one would say uh, you need to forgive and the other that I needed to embrace this new emotion that I was feeling. So I tried both forgiving and embracing, but to no avail. I left counseling and felt worse off than when I started. So I asked Sapphire and her family what I should do. Big mistake. For six months, I was in a cycle of unnatural relations with no end in sight. One day, Sapphire and her mom raised these questions to me at dinner and asked me to be honest with myself. Was I gay? I don't know. Was I straight? I had no clue. Did I like being with girls? Very much. So did I feel an unnatural attraction to that of my own gender? At times, yes, but I felt and fought it every time. I was confused. Well, congratulations, my boy. You're bisexual, Diana said with an evil smile. I was shocked. I heard Carl uh, talk about this, but I never understood what it was. Uh, He had a friend in L.A. um, who was bisexual. That threw parties and would invite bi dancers over. He would always make gay remarks like that, but I never paid much attention until now that I'm older. Please explain, I asked, 
And so she pulled out a little black book and found the page and read from it. Bisexual, she started. Here it is. Bisexual, she said with a devilish grin. Bisexuality is romantic attraction, sexual attraction, and or desire for both males and females. It may also encompass romantic or sexual attraction to people of any gender identity or to be a person of irrespective of that person's biological sex or gender, which is sometimes terminated as pansexuality. I was hurt when she spoke this. At the hearing of this, I went from shocked to dis speechless and pushed away from the table. Good night, you guys. I'm good, I said, hanging my head down. I felt defeated. Why me? Why did I have to go through this crap? They say if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, I felt like life gave me a bag of seeds and said, here, make your own lemons or whatever the heck you want. After three and a half months in living at the witch's coven, I was tormented by this new identity of mine. I was given over to lust in my mind and by sexual dreams, demonic sexual dreams, dreams uh, that at times I would wake up and not know dream from reality. They would seem to mix because of a lot of what I was seeing and living around was in these dreams. Bestiality, animals being sacrificed, humans being sacrificed, blood and gore. Human sacrifices, rituals, offerings to the gods and goddesses, orgies, black magic, and all manner of sexual opportunities, orgies for daily use, creepy dark voices speaking from fire, and smoke calling me, calling my name. All of these things I experienced, both in dreams and in reality. One day in particular, this happened to me. I was napping on my bed in the house and saw a vision of a castle and was taken inside. And in the vision, I see a dark figure with horns and a black robe dri dripping with what looked like blood, but everything was black. It held out its hand and said, forget the faith of your mother, forget this Jesus of Nazareth. It said, follow me and I will make you famous. One voice said in the dream, as the earth beneath me moved and shook violently and the floor cracked, I lost my balance and as I fell in the dream, I fell out of my bed in the natural. I would wake up in a cold sweat and shake myself saying it wasn't real until looking up, I would see Diana and her husband standing in the doorway of my room, watching me, their eyes black, fixed on me like glue. I immediately get up and slam the door. This was not for me. None of this was, but I was there and I had nowhere else to go. So I left the house for a week and told Sapphire I'd be back soon 
and off I went to find myself. I tried meditation with the Buddhists, deep trances with the Hindus, and prayer with the Jews, my own people. At the Wailing Wall, I could not find peace, so as last resort, I went to a church, a small Methodist church in San Bernardino, California. I walked in and felt sick in my stomach. I felt weak and I could not stand up. And I thought came and a thought comes to my mind. See, even God doesn't want you around. And this is his house. What a shame. The voice was convincing and even tormenting. And with a moment to think about it, I ran from the church and never returned. I took up drinking more and started to use a lot harder than I had ever before, mixing alcohol with pills. I gave up all faiths and gave myself to doing whatever I wanted. I made up my own rules that I would answer to no man. I determined that I was my own God. I made my own path and destiny, so I thought I could have been more wrong. As I fought with this, I went back to the coven and joined the Sons of Baal, a league for three months, learning about the art of black magic and history of the dark arts from olden times to the present age. Our instructor was Master Ivanov Belenchenko. He was 62 from Russia and had trained in this all his long life. It was then and there I met Sapphire's stepbrother, Alex, also called Dagon, after the idol Dagon. Jesus. He was a ruddy 18-year-old and red-headed, light brown eye, uh, light brown eye, almost like gold, beautiful smile, with a warm complexion and the softest yet strong touch of a handshake I had ever met. But this boy was dangerous. For those three months, we had dated and had unnatural, unnatural sexual relations. He was my buddy, my love. We shared so much. He told me that he left his faith too. He was once a Christian, born uh, to a Christian family just like me. Strange, isn't it? It was crazy. One night while we were lying in bed, that's often when he and I had our conversations, and he asked, why do they say Jesus is the Son of God? I don't know, I, I answered. My mom says that he died for our sins and defeated death or something like that, I replied, putting my face in the crease of his neck. Really, he said, his voice questioning my statement. Well, if you love me, I never want to hear that again. Lucifer is God. There's many gods, but he's number one. His voice lowered as I feel his hands grab my face. Seeing those golden eyes staring back at me 
with a look of offense. Never say that again. Turning away from him, I pulled the blanket over myself and tried to sleep. He sits up and pulls me back over violently, his eyes no longer gold, but now black and void. We are gods. We have dominion over this earth. Jesus is nothing. He screams with a voice not his own. It was dreadful to hear. Then he grabs my arms as I struggle. I know you. I know who you are, Jermaine. You can't run forever. Come join us, he said, trying to kiss me in the mouth. At this point, I am freaking out and I'm fighting him and hitting him to get free from his grip, looking away not to see those cold black eyes. And in the midst of me fighting and struggling, I hear Alex's voice coming back in the distance. Babe, babe, Jermaine, snap out of it, he screams. I turn around and I find that I'm fighting the air and no one's holding me at all. His face was normal, and in fact, he looked scared of me, to be honest. Whatever it was, it's gone. Come back to bed, please. He said, pulling me back down to the mattress. Yes, you guessed it. I didn't realize it, but I was levitating about two feet in the air from the bed. It was, it was weird. That night, I could not sleep at all. After that time of me being at that house was up and we all graduated, quote unquote, graduation. And yes, I graduated. I learned how to cast spells, bend things with my mind to my own will, all sorts of crazy stuff. I left that house along with Alex and we moved in together. And I had just turned 17. It was August of 2001, uh, just some months into the millennium. I love the 80s, but the 90s were better. <laughs> now the storm of the century was about to hit me hard. Me and Dagon had been partners for six months, going on a year. Now as I was working on finishing school, and so was he, but I didn't like it. So I would skip town and travel with some friends of mine that were in the mob and make drug runs for them. It was good pay, but life is crazy. After August ended and September came in, I felt uneasy. It was crazy. I felt I found myself getting complacent and worried about mom and grandpa and the family. What would they say if they knew how I was living and what I was doing? No one knew.
So the story that I'm about to share, it is not in the excerpt of the book, but I'm going to share it anyway. So as we enter this point of the book, I'm going to insert testimony. This testimony comes from when me and Dagon were dating. So we were ended up living together uh, for about six months. And during that time, uh, when I returned home, I found that he had overdosed on uh, pills, uh, opioids. And he had taken them the night before. And so usually a lot of times we will do drugs together and then we'll have we'll have sex or we'll have other people over, so orgies and everybody's drinking, doing drugs. And then of course, you know, in the morning everybody clears out, everyone goes to work or whatever. And so it was one of those nights. And so that particular night, um, we ended up having um, that happen where we ended up having sex, did a lot of hard drugs. He did a lot of hard drugs, so did I, but I didn't drink. And so he ended up doing some pills and drinking. And then we ended up having sex. And then right afterwards, in the early morning, when I woke up, he was dead. And in fact, he had, fought, he had died in my arms. And so when I woke up, he was pretty much, his face was blue, lips were blue, I mean, just completely pale. Um, and it was devastating. And I ended up just wrecking the whole house. I mean, I was mad as hell. I really was. I was upset. I was, I was angry. I was frustrated. And all of these things, all of these emotions began to rush in because I was feeling now that I had something, it's now snatched away again. And so it's like, okay, this little bit of happiness, and this is what I blamed. I blamed God. I blamed God. I blamed the devil. I blamed whoever. Anybody out there, I said, you know what? I had this happiness that I thought was happiness, and now every little thing where I could try to find happiness, it's being snatched away from me. And then all of that... Um, stress came back from my father leaving all of that came back and so i began to blame i, I began to blame that on everybody you know uh, you know my dad left you know i tried to be happy with that and i he's gone you know i tried to be happy with this person this person's gone and so i just blamed everything on god and and whoever and in the midst of this there was a scripture that was spoken to me and this scripture um it really devastated me because i didn't know it was a scripture okay in the reference to because you have to understand being growing up in a jewish family you know scripture like the back of your hand but when it's spoken to you the way god really speaks it to you it's different and so in the midst of my anger and frustration the police were there, the ambulance were there, they get his body out, and I'm alone in the house. And so I end up burning the sheets, burn the rug, I mean, just messed the house up. It, we, I paid for it. 
both of us paid for it. I mean, with a lot of the drug money that we had. And so it was a lot of expensive things in the house. And so I just, I busted all of them. All the dishes, crashed them, broke plates, glasses, windows. And I remember staying, sitting outside, just totally stripped myself naked. Went outside into our garden area. And as I'm watching the rugs and everything burning, and I'm just spitting and I'm angry and I'm cussing and I'm cussing at God and I'm cussing at the devil and I'm cussing everybody out. And as this is going on in my mind, this scripture came to my spirit, but it was very audible. And so this is what was read to me or spoken to me. Who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command, because God, because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does not, for he does whatever he pleases. For he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to re retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, and prolongs his life, yet I know that I will be well with those who fear the Lord and fear God, because they fear him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because, his day, because he does not fear before God. Ecclesiastes 8, 1-13 As this was said by this gentle voice, I got angry again and ran from the house screaming, leave me alone, go away, go away, who are you? The following week, which for those who know, was 9-11. 9-11 happened. Until this day, that verse, which is Ecclesiastes 8, has meant more to me than any other. And I do believe that was the beginning of my encounter with the true and living God, Jesus Christ.
This ends chapter 3. Thank you for listening and watching. Stay tuned for chapter 4.